right, yeah. All right, looks like it's working. All right, thanks again for coming by, Mustafa. I'm not talking to myself, I'm talking to my buddy here. All right, we have the same name. Yeah, and we even spell it the same way too. That's rare. Oops. Anyways, what's new? Uh, a lot, man. I uh, got the final edits for uh, my book that's coming out. It's being published by Llewellyn Worldwide. I'm writing it with uh, Brandon Alvis of Ghost mm. Hunters, so that'll be out. Um, we actually launched a YouTube series that's like a companion piece to the book, so it's really cool because uh, a lot of people, you know, whenever they publish a book, um, they have their philosophies about certain things. For us, it's, you know, from Ghost Hunters. So we talk about our paranormal investigations, a lot of the technology that we've implemented in these cases, what we've documented, the mm -hmm. circumstances surrounding the weird phenomenon that we've uh, cataloged. And then the reason why we launched this YouTube series is to show that philosophy, you know, for the lack of a better word or that terminology in practice. Mm -hmm. So Brandon has all of the, this awesome footage that he took from like years ago when he started the American Paranormal Research mm -hmm. Association, APRA. And um, he took that footage and then we're kind of offering our commentary in this YouTube style series. And for a YouTube series, it's pretty freaking good. I mean, like, it's, it's great. He's an awesome editor. He's got tons of experience in video editing and uh, he knows the ins and outs of on camera and off camera work. So, um, yeah, it's got no, for a YouTube series, I personally think it has no business being as good as it is. You know, obviously I'm biased, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool. So we've been working on that uh, yeah. a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. For um, people who are like, what? Ghost Hunters? Most of us have been on uh, Ghost Hunters for how many seasons now? Two seasons in the reboot, uh, A and D went and uh, worked with Pilgrim Studios, who are like the originators of Ghost Hunters. Um, and they got a new team. I'm uh, one of those members of that team. And uh, we worked closely with Grant Wilson, who was one of the original mm -hmm. Ghost Hunters uh, cast members, you know, cast for the lack of a better term, it's a reality show. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, we were working closely with Grant and then we kind of came to our own, did our mm -hmm. own thing. And then season two was mostly us on the locations. Grant really uh, didn't attend many of the investigations after that uh he would just kind of like offer his input and stuff and uh yeah it's been it's been really really cool okay. super wild ride that's awesome yeah um so fun fact mustafa was here what two or three weeks ago and we filmed like an hour worth <laughs> of talking about his projects and everything yeah. and then we found out the hard way that it did not record that happens man that happens i mean it on, on Ghost Hunters, in one of the cases, we were in Ohio, this place called Landol's Mohican Castle, and I kept calling it Landos, like the guy from Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Club 45. But, uh, yeah, we were we were there, and we had um, this insane audio phenomenon, audio voice phenomenon that we captured. Like, yeah. Two, it was a little girl's voice inside of mm. this cottage. And... Um, you know, we captured it in other places on the property, but the fact that we captured it on different parts of the property is really interesting. So in the second location, we found it at the Macbeth Cottage, which was like uh, almost a mile down the road, yeah. in a separate part of the uh, of the estate. Um, got that same voice, it was on camera, wow. and then someone had popped the SD card out before hitting stop. Yeah. Files corrupted oh, and we lost God. that. So it's, trust me, I, I, know, I know your pain. Yeah. <laughs> I know your pain. But you know, it was an amazing conversation. Uh, we were due anyways for a get together 100%. and a catch up. Yeah. You know? Um, so 
I've known Mustafa now for like what? I guess when you got married. Yeah, yeah, 2014, 2015. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Time flies. I know, dude. Yeah, so, uh, so Mustafa's wife went to Rutgers with my sister, and then she started coming with her family to my dad's restaurant. Yes. In Warren. And then from there, then she got married and then brought you. Yeah. And then you guys had special dates, mm-hmm. and next thing you know it, everyone's got kids now. I know. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's it is. Nuts. It is. I never, ever, ever wanted kids, and then now I can't even imagine what life would be like without them. Right? It's, it's nuts. It's the way I look at it is that um, how I explain to some friends who were like, "What's it like to have kids?" It's like think of the first day your kid is born, yeah, and your brain erases everything else, yeah. So you can make new memories, mm-hmm. and you can remember every single milestone. Your kid's done. And I highly recommend everyone to record everything. Um, just don't share 20 videos a day of your kids. Yeah, that's annoying. It's like, yeah, once in a while it's cute. But it's like, okay, I get it. Your kid makes a mess. Your kid's cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see that all the time. Like, what are you doing with that, you know, for yourself? I think I think, I think, think it's it's almost like, you know, people, it's like asking, well, what was life like before you had kids? And it's it's kind of like, it's almost in a way being... Like what was life like before you were born? Like you don't know. Yeah. It's it's, it's seriously like a it's like a rebirth. You you don't. It doesn't register that life That's was a, a certain perfect life word. Perfect word. A rebirth. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And then you can either decide whether or not. It really. You can either decide like it's very black and white. Whether or not you're doing, you're being the best person you can be. Mm. Or, or, or not like you know so like you you have to make that a conscious choice all the time you have to be uber conscious of like you know you, you'll see parents and you can even see them like you throw their kids on the iPad all day mm. and you'll see those kids there and you see those parents in public and you look at them and this is gonna sound so judgmental and I'm not talking about like you know 20 minutes or like whatever here and there but like I've been to per- person, people's houses mm. like the kid was on the iPad for four and a half hours oh my god you know getting charging bricks and stuff and like coming back to the room and I'm like talking with the parents you know doing stuff helping out with the party and all that and these kids on the iPad the whole time I'm like and you could see like there's no way you can feel good about that you know that's not right you yeah. know that's not right and you can kind of see the parents like ignoring that ignoring that part of themselves and it's like you're you're screwing up yeah <laughs> I mean I mean like I'll give you an example because I'm in the restaurant world I see some crazy stuff yeah. from random customers We'll just say this was when I was working with my dad and uh, this family comes in and his daughter has her phone. Yeah. She's got to be like about 12, 13, iPhone. And I'm like, wow, good for her. I mean, at least she can keep in contact with her parents when she goes to her friend's house or whatever. But when she lost power, she kind of started getting irritated. It's like, chill, you're at dinner with your family. She kept getting irritated when I had to take her order, irritated when we put food on the table. She got irritated whenever the parents say, yo, pay attention, eat your food. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, I don't, like like you, I don't judge. Yeah, yeah. I just observe. And um, when her her battery died, she kind of freaked out. She's like, can we move the table to somewhere where there's, like, an outlet? Holy smokes. That's nuts. And I'm like... I'm happy to move everything for you guys, yeah, yeah. but it's up to your parents. And she didn't even ask. She's like, yo, we have to move. Parents are like, 
no, we're eating. And she threw a fit, like a 13-year-old. Wow, that's... Yeah, man, I mean, people, they, they get addicted. I, I, I do it myself, like, in certain situations where, like, you kind of rely on a certain type of distraction to, to move your mind away from, from what you want, like, what you really need to do, right? Or mm-hmm. those things that you should be doing, quote-unquote. And it's... With, with the phone or with, with whatever it was like you know before I was married even with like dating apps or all that stuff like mm. I would be like constantly checking constantly checking and there was one time where I was like yo I literally would check my phone every 40 seconds wow like pull it out of my every 40 seconds and then I, I, I remember it after I had um, after I had moved in with Mary and my wife and, and um, we were together I would leave work and after I'd come home from work, I would intentionally just like leave my phone in the car, in the mm-hmm. center console in my car, go upstairs for hours. And then that's how I kind of like trained myself out yes. of that, you know? Yes. And then, yeah, I knew, I realized it was a big, big, big problem because, and we all go through bouts of it, I think too. And, you know, you say, you don't judge. I judge, I judge myself, <laughs> myself and other people very harshly. Like, I mean, it's good to judge yourself so you can be better in a way. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I got I try to do the actions of somebody who doesn't judge and like, okay, let's give this person the benefit of the doubt and really like, you know, but a lot of people, they, they'll take like your questioning of certain things like mm-hmm. why they do things a certain way as like uh, a mean challenge and they, people don't like to be challenged on what they do. I'm like, I just want to like, why? Okay, well, why did you do that? Yeah. It's like you can't back up like your actions with evidence as to why that's the right way to go about mm-hmm. things. Then I don't know. It, it kind of makes... It makes me like a, a bad person to be around well, at some points, you know, but like you know. One thing, Mustafa, I think why you're extremely unique, and why I like to always check in on you and chat with you from time and again is that you do challenge people in their way of thinking from time and again, and you call it out. Mm. I just wish um, there's a balance out there. I mean, that's why there's always like a yin and yang. You know, like you yeah. need someone to balance you out. Like, you can't surround yourself with yes men mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like, you think you're the best. Yeah. And then someone comes by and is like, no, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And I'm telling you this as a friend. Yeah. And people are like, all right, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird dynamic. Like, I'm really lucky I have a, a group of artists that I meet with at least, like, twice a week and sometimes more. And we, um, we all kind of foster that sense of, like helpful like real constructive criticism it's always to make a situation better and um i'd say without that like my career would be nowhere and it's headed by a good friend of mine his name's david vadim he's an incredible actor uh, incredible director now we have this project called night birds that's coming out that's another uh thing that i've been working on recently can't wait for that yeah it's 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 incredible like you know everybody always asks me they're like how do you describe it and i say the same thing i was like like how do you describe a movie like Fight Club? Like it's yeah. it's almost impossible to. But you know it's good. Oh yeah. You know, you know it's oh, yeah. it's really really good. And Nightbirds is like the summation, the plot line for it is you know an ex ballerina uh, ends up becoming a serial killer who preys on New York City intellectuals, and it really hits on like old New York versus mm-hmm. present day New York, and um, it's it's a really it's character driven all the characters are have such great arcs and um the amount of writing and work that david vadim and, and our team steven levine chris conroy's in it ben edelman who's 
won the Obie and like almost every award on Broadway. Mm-hmm. He was his name was above the title in the West End Theater and this yeah. play admissions and then Chris Conroy who's in a ton of shows, God Friend of Me, Almost Family, he had a recurring role in Mr. Robot. Um, you know, we have a lot of really, really great talent. And then also I mean nominated actress, Aida Totoro, she was uh, in, in The Sopranos, she played Tony Soprano's sister in The Sopranos, and then Treat Williams is in it. We have Catherine Moriarty, Oscar nominees in it. So mm-hmm. like this is a low budget project, but the writing is so good and the direction is so specific. Mm-hmm. It's so specific and every character is so specific. Like I, I I'm so lucky to be a part of it. And the performances that David gets out mm-hmm. of us is is incredible. So I'm really, really stoked for that. Like it's easily my favorite thing I've ever been a part of. It's those, um, those, it's those small projects where the production is not as what you expect. Yeah. Where you can appreciate more the writing, the understanding, and like how much hard work these actors put into their characters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, um, what's a what's a movie or a project that you can think of that you've seen? You're like, holy crap! They spend like how much? And it made like, oh my God. like what Boondock Saints. Well, yeah, Boondock Saints was like that was a relatively low budget. The first one that mm-hmm. came out was a relatively low budget project, but there was like yeah, it's it's an interesting movie that you mentioned is because there was like a very specific thing that they were working on, and obviously you know I have my opinions on the, on the film and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like oh, I would have done this differently or this better. Or they could have flushed this out more, but you get like there's something to be said about. I think, I think like as long as a director has a specific thing that they want to work on, they have a specific thing that they want to say, and they get everyone in the cast and everyone in the crew who's on board with, mm. let's fulfill this yes. in the way that we want to fulfill it. That's personal to us. Yeah. On a personal level, like you know, that's what that's when you're going to get a project that's that's really that really resonates with people and sometimes people don't get it right away like Apocalypse Now that's like hailed as one of the greatest American movies ever made mm. you know that wasn't nominated for anything when it mm. came out it I haven't made. seen that yet now I'm gonna put that on the list it's to a, watch it's a great movie it's you, you watch Apocalypse Now you're gonna be like uh, it'll never leave your, mm. your your head and there's um, you know there's so I, I, I say it like this like anytime a movie doesn't suck it's a miracle <laughs> like 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 seriously like anytime a movie's like just okay it's it's a miracle because there's so many things that can go wrong and then when a movie's great like a movie like seven you know that was a great movie. incredible film movie. incredible film what's uh, in the box yeah yeah you know and there's so much that went around it and there was such a specific you know vision that David Fincher and everybody worked for in that film it's it's really like what my friend David always talks about is it's um you know you want to get that feeling that great feeling of being able to like run with somebody and that you're operating as best as you can and you're giving as even more of yourself that you even thought was possible Mm. once you're able to do that and get in that place with people and other people will applaud you and cheer you on uh to do that and then because then now they're putting themselves at a higher standard Mm. so you're Mm. constantly putting each other at higher standards like that's that's the that's money right there man that's that's the best thing that's like it's like in any cause, you have a cause, yeah. and you have the leader who's 
believing in it and you believe mm-hmm. in what they do mm-hmm. and then you follow them to the end. Yeah. That's how I look at it. Yeah, look at, look, you mean, everybody, you watched that, that Last Dance documentary with Michael Jordan, you heard of that? Like it's it. on my Netflix yeah. to watch list. Yeah. Um, yeah. But another quick yeah. uh, thing that's yeah. recent, another film, Joker. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, listen, man, I, <laughs> that's a movie that, again, you know, uh, a lot of people were decrying it because they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's help, it's contributing to these, like, anti-liberal narratives. They tried to politicize that movie a lot. And it's that, entertainment in the end. Yeah, and, and, and it, on top of that, the thing about that distinguished Joker from a lot of other movies is the fact that it picked a very, very, very strong direction and it took it to its farthest point. People were like, oh, it's just a combination of Taxi Driver and the King of Comedy, which it is, yeah. But like, you know, every single story is a retelling of another story. William yeah. Shakespeare only has one original plot. <laughs> every single one of his plots were from like cultural, different, uh, like, you know, legends and yeah. myths. Yeah. You know, Hamlet's, uh, it was an old freaking, le- everything. The only original plot you ever came up with was The Tempest, and that's William effing Shakespeare. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So, for me, it's like, I'm not, I mean, I found Joker way more entertaining than, like, a lot of it, Shakespeare's plays. But I like, mean, Joker was definitely entertaining. Yeah. What I liked about it was um, how much work Joaquin Phoenix put into yeah. the acting and it's I mean it's based on you know one of my favorite comic book characters oh for sure I mean I, I love I love the idea of like and I think Zack Snyder talked about this but um, you know the director of, of, of Joker I don't know why his name's escaping me right now uh, I think it's Todd Phillips. I think it's his name. But he did. Yeah. He did the Hangover. Yeah. You know, wait, big departure. <laughs> big, big difference. Yeah, yeah. Big departure. But it was a, um, you know, you take this idea, you take it as far as you can go with it, and for for DC, little known fact about Joker was that like Warner Brothers, which owns DC, you know, yeah. rights and all that stuff. Warner Brothers didn't want to, didn't originally didn't even want to give the movie a wide release. Really? Like, you know, they only fronted a certain percentage of the movie's $55 million production. Yeah, I was budget. just going to say, yeah, $55 million, And then they made, like, what, $750 million after? more than that. Yeah. It was over, it grossed over a billion worldwide, like wow. $1.2 billion. And, like, they, there was another production company that made it, and they only went to Warner Brothers for a certain amount of money. And the deal that Warner Brothers cut was, like, Warner Brothers did not get... Mm. Like I think they got like ten percent of the box office returns or something. Um, like something it wasn't. They didn't make anywhere near as much as they could have off of it. I don't know the exact numbers, but um, yeah. So I think that that goes to show, like, hey, uh, you know, we can we can take these these movies that really resonate with people mm. and retell them in another way, mm. like that narrative, like you know. So DC, I think they have the rubric mm. for success with themselves. I mean, you look, a, you look at a movie like, you know, Wonder Woman 1984, or, um, and that got, like, a lot of mixed reviews. It got a lot of mixed reviews. Justice League was pretty much panned. Like, you yeah. know, it made money, but, like, nowhere near as much as they thought it would. I mean, they another good thing about DC and WB yeah. productions is that they own all the characters compared yeah. to, like, Marvel. Mm-hmm. Like, Marvel has to really, really get into the stories. Like, yeah. for example, there hasn't been a... A single solo Hulk film for the longest time because yeah. someone, or I think Universal owns the rights still and they just don't want to sell it back to Marvel. Yeah, why would they? That's like a bargaining chip for them. Oh yeah, but just like Sony and Spider-Man. 
Yeah. Well, the cool thing that Sony's doing is that Sony's collaborating with Marvel, and now Marvel is Disney. So you're gonna that's like a whole different animal. Like DC, what they tried to do is they tried to fast track the end result of what Marvel was doing. Marvel did it in a very, very organic way. If you look at how John Favreau got the first Iron Man oh, yeah. film made, mm-hmm. like that was they were getting investors from everywhere they were mm-hmm. going in like uh, i think abu dhabi or yep. Dubai. Mm-hmm. they were they were killing themselves to make this yeah. movie in this specific way and john favreau had a very specific vision and then ended up kicking off the entire mcu and he's pretty much now with the mandalorian which i i, I don't watch it but things that i've been seeing from big star wars fans and everyone loves it like yeah everyone loves it and it's like this guy is like saving these huge franchises, you know what I mean? Like as a as a long time Star Wars fan, yeah. Thanks to my mom getting us the VHS set. Oh wow! All the time, um, he he's done it right by the fans. Yeah, yeah. Like you could tell he's a, a real fan. Him and um, Filoni, yeah. The guy he the guy with the if you watch him on YouTube, he's the guy with the cowboy hat. Yeah, yeah. He did all of the Star Wars cartoons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw him on Chef Show. They did that episode on it. I love Chef Show. It's him and Chef uh, Roy Choi. They, yeah. they go and they cook. They were at the Skywalker Ranch. Yeah. And um, yeah, that, that guy, he did the uh, the Clone Wars show. Yes. Him and John Favreau. Yep. Like, Clone Wars is pretty good. I saw it's a few really episodes good. up. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is pretty good. It's, it's yeah. like, uh, after you get past the whole animated thing, like the stories are like, all right. They're incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really well done. And yeah. like on top of that, like John Favreau, I remember um, they said that if Marvel doesn't make a good Iron Man movie, that they will go bankrupt. Yep. That was insane. They, that was one of the main reasons why they sold parts of their character their characters to different studios to survive. Yeah, man. I mean, Marvel the it's it's interesting the place that they're in now. I mean, they they've they were able to they did it the right way. They were like, we're going to focus on making this next movie that's coming out the best that we can do. And I think the the moment where they realized that the potential was limitless for them was um, the box office opening for Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. No oh, one. Yeah. Everyone's like, who the hell are these people? Like, <laughs> like, you know, studios a couple of years ago would have been like, we're not going to make. And then when I saw that they were going to make an Ant-Man movie, I was like, what? But like, I knew it was going to do well. Like, yeah, no, people, they were taking, it. people were taking bets on what the box office opening was yeah. going to be. And like, people made tons of money betting on Marvel movie box office openings. And there's no way it can lose. I mean, get a movie like um, Captain Marvel, which had such like a different like response from fans you know and a lot of people like gave Brie Larson like a lot of hate for the way that she portrayed like the main character and all that but I don't even think it's necessarily like her like fault I just think like the script writing was something straight out of like a made for TV movie it was like it wasn't I thought the script was, it was terrible and uh, there was a lot in it I was like eh but um it made a billion in the box office oh, yeah and that was like that was like Thor 2 levels bad yeah. like it was yeah. like oh, oh yeah man. you know what I mean well, we're going to leave it off here. Is there any shameless plugs you want to put in before we go? Oh, yeah. Just uh, follow me on Instagram. I'm Gadalari. I'm the only Mustafa Gadalari in the <laughs> world. Uh, yeah, you can check check out my Instagram to see any ghost hunting events that I'm going to be doing. Uh, find out. I always repost stuff from Nightbirds. Follow Nightbirds on Instagram. I'm telling you, this show is going to be incredible. People are going to... I think. I think it's going to be like that the show that everyone's going to be talking about. I get a whole True Detectives vibe from it. It's, 
man, it's not. <laughs> it's, 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 I have to watch the first yeah, episode. I can't wait we'll to find out. Yeah, I can't wait till it comes out. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Really excited about the book. Check out Formula of a Haunting on YouTube. And um, yeah, you know, we got the book coming out and stay tuned. And uh, I'm really, really excited to share all the stuff I've been working on with everybody. All right, and a big thank you to Hills of Herat, located in Martinsville, for letting us use their venue. Take care, folks. Have a good one. Take care.